Welcome to The Step by Pop Sugar, a podcast for and about unstoppable women, presented by Sorel Footwear. I'm author and speaker Lovey Jai Jones. Last season, we heard inspiring stories about amazing women who stopped at nothing to achieve their dreams. This season, we're celebrating bold, brilliant women who stand up for what they believe in, fight for the greater good, and help their communities take the next step forward. Join us. $99 billion. That's how much money the UN estimates come from sex trafficking every single year. We don't talk about something which is unfortunate, but the idea that we might know buyers, right? We don't talk about the quote-unquote fun stereotypes of like bachelor versus bachelorette parties and like getting a prostitute to, you know, be at those parties when you don't know, is that person actually there on their own free will or is that person being exploited? Is that person being trafficked? That's actress, singer and songwriter and activist Laura Morano. You'll likely recognize her as a leading role in Netflix rom-coms, The Perfect Date, and Cinderella's story, Christmas Wish. Or you'll know her music. She's written over 100 songs for some of today's biggest musicians and just released her sophomore album titled You this month. But she's also a powerful voice against human trafficking. After producing and starring in Saving Zoe in 2019, Laura and her sister Vanessa partnered with Equality Now to help start conversations about a topic many are too afraid to speak out about. Laura, welcome to The Step. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your work. So I'm always interested. Like, let's start from the beginning. What was it like to be a child actor? Oh, man. Um, You know, it's funny. I always say, of course, it was strange in in a lot of ways, but I feel really grateful because I was still able to go to school and have some sort of, you know, uh, some sort of quote unquote normal childhood. Um, And I also think in a lot of ways when you're a kid, right, you don't have those insecurities that come creeping at you when you start getting a little bit older. So I am so thankful that I started so young because I was just having fun when I was, you know, I was like five. I was five, six, seven. I had no kind of inhibitions, no fears or insecurities. I was just like having the best time ever. And from that, when I started getting a little bit older and of course had, you know, those insecurities there and creep in, I already felt so comfortable with acting that it didn't really affect me in the same way, if that makes sense. It does. How did you even get started? Were you just discovered or did your parents say, we're going to make make you go out and audition? Um, neither, actually. Well, in some ways, uh, discovered is a, fun, a funny word. So my mom owns a children's theater. And my sister, who's an actress as well, and I grew up in this theater, right? My dad is a <laughs> is an Italian professor, so it has nothing really to do with the business, um, which is kind of amazing. Um, and so my sister and I just grew up in this, this children's theater, and it was my sister who said to my mom she wanted to be an actress. And my mom, who was an actress, who had been in the entertainment industry for a while and kind of got out of it um, to, you know, teach acting, just... Lovey, I don't know if you know many drama teachers, but the stereotype <laughs> of a drama teacher, that's my mom. Just the free <laughs> spirit, like, come on. My mom was like, no, I, you're not going to be an actress. It's a really terrible business, especially for children. I'm, I'm not putting you in this business. So my sister was six at the time. And 
my sister is super persistent. She, if she wasn't an actress, she probably could have been a lawyer. Um, so she continues to beg my mom every day for two years. And one day she asked my mom about it in front of one of my mom's friends who was a child actress as well, actually. And my mom's friend was, why aren't you supporting your daughter in this? Like you support her mm. in everything else. Why aren't you being a supportive mother? And my mom was like, are you kidding? I'm trying to be a supportive mother by not letting her do it. But my mom kind of got guilted into it, but she was still, you know, had like the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other shoulder. And she's like, I still don't want my kid to do this. So I'm just going to do research. And she found agents that supposedly turns down kids like 95% of the time. And she's like, perfect. I'll take Vanessa here. They'll turn her down. She'll, she'll realize it's much harder than she realizes and she won't want to do it anymore. So she takes Vanessa. She takes me as well because I'm five. Vanessa's eight. She doesn't even help Vanessa with the line. She's like, you got a kid. Don't worry. You're fine. Vanessa goes in, comes out, and the agent asks to see my mom. And I follow my mom in. And I'm – Levy, I'm obnoxious. Okay? I'm that five-year-old. You know how you have – some kids are super, super shy and some kids mm-hmm. are just like hams, like obnoxious, outgoing hams. I was that one. And the agent says to my mom, we want to take Vanessa. And my mom's like, what? So then I say, well, I don't have an agent. And the agent's like, well, we'll take you too, honey. And my mom's like, are you freaking kidding me? And that's how and you're probably started. really cute with like these big doll eyes. And totally. they're probably like, we can't even say no to her. Totally. My mom's like, are you joking right now? <laughs> and yeah. and the rest is history. And then it's Vanessa always, <laughs> Vanessa always is like, I just want you to know I was the one who did the work and you benefited off of it. I'm like, <laughs> I know. I didn't even know what acting meant. I was just like wanting to be like my big sister. That is amazing. That <laughs> is such a little sister thing to do. Totally. It is such a little sister thing to do, but it worked. 100%. And you know what? We've actually been with the same agents ever since. They changed agencies. But if you can believe it, it's been 20 years, which is crazy. It's actually bananas. That's amazing, actually. That is amazing. I love that. So you went from Disney Channel star to an activist in between all these different things are happening. Um. Talk to me about that journey from child star to where you are today. Yeah. So it's funny because I, you know, as a kid, as a young girl, I would have, I would, I wanted to be on Disney Channel so badly, but actually a lot of projects that I did weren't um, even really kid appropriate, like appropriate for my friends to watch. I did, you know, um, pretty dark movies like, uh, a movie called The Jacket. I did um, pretty dark shows. Like I, I was on Dexter, Without a Trace. I was in Superbad. Like all of these parts that I, honestly, a lot of my friends didn't actually believe I was an actress because they could never watch me and stuff. So I went through most of my childhood doing projects like that. You know, never like a leading role or anything, but all these kind of like co-starring or supporting or whatever. So then when I was 15, I audition for Austin and Allie, which was on Disney Channel. And mm-hmm. I got the part of Allie and it completely changed my life. It was just an unbelievable and amazing experience. I had so much fun. I had literally, you know, I I 
got a new family. The cast and crew became my family. It was amazing. And I got this incredible platform. Um, and it was funny because it also opened so many doors for my music, which was something that I always wanted to do and always wanted to pursue, but didn't quite know how to do it exactly. How do I, you know, how do you get in the music industry? And Austin Alley opened those doors. And I was on that show for four years. And then after our fourth season, which was our last season, I started kind of more heavily pursuing my music rather than acting. And, you know, I got a record deal. I put a couple songs out. And it was funny because then I kind of started going back to acting a little bit. And I found in kind of a, a, a frustrating way that a lot of these different cast directors or people that I had known and seen over the years, you know, some of them automatically kind of labeled me as a Disney kid, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which was, you know, it was a little frustrating, right? Because I'd been acting, I did so many projects before that. I was acting a decade before I was on Austin Alley. But, you know, I, I think you do have a little bit of a label on you when you're on a Disney Channel show or a Nickelodeon show on any sort of kind of kids show. and that can be definitely incredibly frustrating, but I also being completely honest, what the good and the pros that it brings, like I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I definitely knew that I wanted to explore projects and do projects that were different and, uh, you know, a little darker than what I had done from Austin Alley, just as a fulfillment for me as a performer and one project in particular that I actually started working on bef- way before I did Austin Alley was a movie that was based on a book called Saving Zoe. And this book I read when I was 11 and I gave it to my mom um, and my sister. And I was like, this book's amazing. And they agreed. And we actually met with the author and got the rights to the book. And the author is amazing, mm-hmm. Alison Noel. She's unbelievably incredible. And to me, you know, it's this story that's really kind of a love story between two sisters, but it also really explores this, uh, you know, darker world from um, the perspective of online, the dangers of kind of online, right? Uh, Which we later became very educated about and kind of that's something that we've become super passionate about, which I'll talk about in a second. But, you know, this book was written when I was 11, the main like social media was MySpace. So yes. like a very, you know what I mean? So like it was like VHS tapes, like it was just kind of a, a different world. And I really believed in the story and so did my mom and sister. And so we, you know, constantly were trying to sell it. And, you know, for a few years, we only had the book. We didn't have a script or anything. And we kept over and over again um, getting told by different studios or, you know, production companies or whatever that the story was too dark, right? It's too dark for young adults, for young girls, young girls, teenage girls, young adult girls want fluffy, they want rom-coms, which was kind of incredibly frustrating to be told what young girls want when we were young girls and we were getting told that by people who were not young girls, but right. But, you know, we really still believe in the project. And over the years, we worked on different things. Obviously, I got, you know, Austin Alley. Vanessa got a show on Freeform called Switch to Birth. And we continued to work on it. We finally got a script kind of off the ground with Saving Zoe. And then 
13 Reasons Why came out. And mm. it's funny how timing just is, um, you know, you have to kind of have timing on your side. All of a sudden, because of the success of that show, everyone was like, oh my God, like teens like dark YA, like we need more dark YA and dark young adult. And so here was this story and this script that was quite dark. It's about, you know, it takes place a year after this older sister has been murdered and the younger sister finds her diary and realizes that there's a lot of things she didn't know about her sister and there's a lot more to her murder than meets the eye. And we finally got a maid 10 years after we got the option. We produced it. Vanessa and I starred in it. And when we were working on it and editing it after we had filmed it, we really knew we needed to team up with an organization um, on this topic, right? We didn't even totally know what the topic was, but we knew, okay, this is, we need to team up with someone. And so I had done work with an amazing organization called Equality Now a few years prior. Yes, let's actually talk about them um, yeah. and that work. Because I know that's a huge part of your platform. It's a huge part of your passion point. And Saving Zoe um, really kicked it off. So yes, tell us what is Equality Now and what made you want to jump in feet for- Feet first into this work. 100%. So Equality Now is an amazing organization that essentially is their mission statement is they want equality across the globe for, for all genders, right? They want, you know, to in some sort of kind of going into detail, they want to eradicate like child marriage. They want to end sex trafficking and the subject that's saving Zoe uh goes into online sexual exploitation. So they were just a perfect partner to come in with. We, you know, I had worked with them a few years prior. Uh, They have like a gala once a year. And I I did like some work with them. I performed a piece during that gala. And I was struck by how amazing the organization was and the people were. And so we got in contact with them for Saving Zoe. And they, we showed them the movie. They were like, we love this movie. We'd love to team up with you. And we'd love to show survivors of online sexual exploitation, this movie and see if they can help inform the edit. And we were like, oh my God, yes, that would be amazing. And so Equality Now really, I mean, I I can't say enough incredible things about them. They also were instrumental in educating Vanessa and I about human trafficking, sex trafficking, and specifically online sexual exploitation, which is something, again, you know, 10 years after this, over a decade after this book has been written, it is way more relevant now. It, social media, the online gaming industry, even like the past eight months because of quarantine, I mean, online is our life. And there's a lot of good that can come from online and the internet and social media. And unfortunately, there's a lot of darkness and a lot of bad. And so for us, I think we really wanted and still want to just educate and inform everyone about, you know, what's going on and what we can do to make online a safer place and a safer world. And most importantly, our big thing that Equality Now is an advocate for, and we're huge advocates for, is letting survivors be at the table in helping media and helping art be told. If it's about online sexual exploitation or sex trafficking, we need to have survivors at the table who are helping us form what should be told and how it should be told. And having survivors at the table 
in lawmaking situations and in these laws about this topic, because who knows this topic more than survivors? And it's through our kind of journey of working with some incredible survivors, you know, it's not easy for them to tell their story. It's not something they want to do, but they do it because they want to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else. And Mm. it is up to us to listen to them, to have them at the table, to make them a huge part of the conversation. Absolutely. You, your use of your platform this way is amazing. And I know having a massive platform and being somebody who's been in spotlight since for 20 years could be tough. How do you manage the pressure and the expectations that come with all of that? Yeah. You know, I think it's, there isn't a, a, a one way or a, I guess for lack of a better term, a one size fits all strategy. I think, especially because of social media, you know, um, it's it's a different world than people who were on, you know, Disney shows even before me was a part of, you know, I grew up with Lizzie McGuire. Like that was Hillary Duff. Lizzie McGuire was my show. She was like, I was obsessed with her. I kind of still am. Um, and I wonder, I'm like, it's such a different world. Now, when she was on Disney Channel, which wasn't that long ago, but with social media, there there is, I think, a different kind of pressure that comes with the job a little bit. And, you know, the thing that I kind of always say, and I, and I truly mean, is the only thing I can really do is be my genuine, authentic self, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think at the end of the day, I am definitely a perfectionist and I definitely I'm probably in the wrong industry in some ways because I'm such a people pleaser and this is a a tough industry to be if you're a people pleaser. Absolutely. But I I think for me it's being in touch with the flaws I have and knowing that I have flaws and knowing that I'm human and I'm not perfect. Um and putting that out there is kind of the best thing I can do for anyone who follows me or anyone who, you know, quote unquote, looks up to me. Um, and I just kind of tell that to myself a bunch. That's, that is my, the thing that I always, when I'm thinking about what I'm posting or what I'm doing or what projects I'm picking or whatever, it's always in the realm of like, is this authentically me? Is this genuinely me? And if it is, then I pursue it. Hmm. Absolutely. Pursuing the things that are true to you will always lead you to the right thing. Um, when you started using your platform to speak out about, you know, human trafficking and anything else that's on your spirit, did your fans react in any way negative? No, actually, to be honest, I, um, you know, Vanessa and I even did a a panel a few weeks ago, actually, it's a few months ago now time. Um, and we had some fans like submit questions about the subject and the topic. And I was like beyond impressed and surprised by some of the questions that we got, I was kind of expecting like, you know, is Austin Alley going to get a reunion? Um, but it was, <laughs> but it was really like thoughtful, provoking questions. And it really showed to me what this kind of whole journey with equality now and talking about this topic has shown me that I think people want to learn. I think people want to yeah. be educated about this. And I think people want to listen. Um, I think it's just, there's not much information out about the topic. So I am really happy to see that 
my fans have been super open to listening and learning. I will say on like a bigger kind of scope doing press for the movie last year was like surprisingly uh, tough to actually talk about this topic, meaning like a lot of press outlets didn't really want to talk about it. And it was funny because oh, wow. it was, yeah. And it was funny because it was actually, and the timing was crazy. Our movie came out literally the day Jeffrey Epstein got arrested. And wow. Yeah. It was so weird. And like no one wanted to talk about it. No one, with certain press things that we did um, get, they were like, can we kind of, uh, not not everyone, by the way. I will say there were some amazing outlets that were super supportive and really want to talk about this topic. But some were like, hey, can we kind of keep it lighter and not really get into what? this topic much? Oh, yeah. Some some press outlets just turned us down outright because because of the topic. And it was really frustrating because for us, we're like, this is a topic that needs to be talked about. Even like the rating of our film, Saving Zoe, because it involves online sexual exploitation with minors, it had to be rated R, which was kind of frustrating because it's like, actually, but this is a topic that teens should watch. Like we want teens to watch with their parents and get educated about and learn about and know warning signs and know these kind of different things. So it's just interesting. It's it's a topic that I will say a year later, I'm seeing such a difference and I'm seeing, you know, people wanting to talk about it in big ways. And I'm so appreciative of that, but it's, it, it still blows my mind how, I don't know if it's because it makes people uncomfortable. I'm not sure what it is, but people don't want to talk about it and, and get educated about it and inform people. Hmm. You know, what's interesting is when people avoid really difficult topics, it's almost like to make themselves feel better as if it doesn't exist. And I know human trafficking totally. is especially like the worst of humans. Yeah. How do you, as you're working through this really strong topic, how do you keep your feet solid? How do you find the joy even through the work? Because it's funny, when you talk to survivors, there is such hope in their hearts. And I think talking to people who've been through it, who've been through the worst of the worst imaginable and having them have an attitude of hope. Um, I think it's, it's hard not to think that it's the least we can do as someone who hasn't gone through it is continue that hope, continue that tone. Um, because I, I, I do think people are talking about it more. And I do think people are, antsy for change and antsy for, you know, this ability and capability of protecting each other as human beings. And so for me, I can't help but think of the good of humankind and human beings. And I know that there is a lot of darkness and a lot of bad, but I personally believe in the good and I've seen it so many, many times. So I, I think it really just at the end of the day for most issues and most human rights issues, it comes down to education. It comes down to educating because a lot of people just aren't educated about it, myself included. I mean, there are so many things I can be way more educated about. And I strive every day to learn, to listen, because I think mm. that 
is the best way we can grow, we can help each other, and we can change. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break before we hear more from Laura Morano. Your outfit is about more than looking good. That's especially true of your shoes. Your footwear should be as unstoppable as you are, which is why Sorel Footwear has designed powerful shoes for those who get things done. From sneakers that move you around town to boots made for weathering any city storm or your next night out, Sorel Footwear is made to power you forward. So how do you think that commonly held misconceptions about sex trafficking help perpetuate it? And like what progress do you think we still need to make? What have you seen different since um, Saving Zoe came out? Let's talk through that. Yeah, I think, again, even just the idea of how way open more people are to talking about it is awesome. I I will say I do get nervous of the misinformation that sometimes gets associated with and is spread. Like, obviously, I do think human trafficking, sex trafficking has been in the news in ways that aren't super accurate to the topic. So I always just encourage people to, again, like, you know, do your research and educate yourself. But I do see people being more open to talking about it, which I'm so appreciative of. I I think one thing for sure we need to work on, I mean, there's many scopes of this topic that needs to be talked about and and worked on. Um, But I think it's also uh, changing the conversation a little bit to incorporate buyers. Because at the Mm. end of the day, sex trafficking is a $99 billion industry yearly. That's every year, $99 billion. So I I think we talk about traffickers, which 100% we need to talk about, but we don't really talk about buyers. We don't talk about something which is unfortunate, but the idea that we might know buyers Right. We don't talk about the quote unquote fun stereotypes of like bachelor versus bachelorette parties and like getting a prostitute to, you know, be at those parties when you don't know, is that person actually there on their own free will or is that person being exploited? Is that person being trafficked? So I think that's something that we definitely don't talk about at all right now. And I would like to see that a part of the conversation because at the end of the day, this industry only happens because it's fueled by money. And so I think there is a, an idea of like following that money and following, you know, who is fueling the industry and supporting it. And I, I think again, unfortunately it's, it's might be people we know. It might be people we know who know someone, you know what I mean? Like it's, I think it's it happens, unfortunately, more often than we think. And that's the part that is fascinating is the other side. And I also think that's part of the reason why people don't really want to talk about it because every every mm-hmm. everything like this, every issue like this has a different angle of it wouldn't be able to happen if there weren't people who were willing to consume it. Mm-hmm. So that's a great point. I, I think at the end of the day, obviously also there's like, there is, I mean, it's such a complex topic. So I think there's obviously, um, you know, there is complexities when you're also talking about people who, uh, 
do it on their own free will, which I would venture to say is actually a, a pretty small percentage of the people who are involved in the quote unquote industry. But I think at the end of the day, another thing that is kind of across the board is making sure the person who is getting exploited or doing the act is decriminalized. You know, making sure, I can't tell you how many survivors we've talked to who were trafficked, who were trafficked, mm. not only um, just uh, were trafficked full stop, they were trafficked as young kids, right? I mean, oh my gosh. one person in particular was, you know, at 12 when she was uh, kidnapped and, and trafficked. Um, and when she was 13, she got arrested. that is crazy to me. Her trafficker was able to run away and get away, but she got arrested. So I think there is something across the board that no matter what kind of end of the conversation or part of the conversation you are having, um, I think we do need to decriminalize victims and people who are doing the act because it should not be them who is getting getting in trouble and having to go through the trauma of getting arrested while also dealing with the trauma of being trafficked and exploited. Man, that's so much. And I'm so glad you're doing this work. So how for people who want to know more and dig deeper into this, what should they do next? I think um, always the goal is just information and education. Uh, Equality Now is an amazing organization. I think going on their website and learning more is a great first step. I think also learning about the equality model. Equality model is another amazing, amazing um, group that they are. They talk about also pieces of legis- legislation and law that you can advocate for and learn more about. Um, And I also, you know, anyone who's listening who may be going through this right now, who may be getting exploited, I also want you to know there is so much help out there. There really is. So, you know, there's the National Human Trafficking Hotline. There's a website called RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. There is the National Center for Missing Children and Teens, which obviously that is more anchor toward children and teen, but that also has great information about how to get pictures offline if you are, if they're online without your consent, which is a whole other huge issue kind of going in the topic of online sexual exploitation. So there is help out there. And anyone who is listening, who is going through this, I I do want to emphasize that and, and let you know that you're not alone. Thank you for that. So I want to kind of pivot to you and you've been navigating a lot of different spaces pretty well. Um, Can you tell us about a time when someone told you that you can't and how you overcame that? Yeah. I mean, I think because I have so many things that I'm passionate about, uh, I do seem to kind of run into barriers or walls or red tape that I have to kind of cut around. I think, you know, even for my music, I'm an independent artist and there is a lot of red tape and a a lot of closed doors that you go into 
Um, and it can be really challenging. But for me, I feel really grateful that I have an amazing team of people that I work with. And, you know, I, I think I also have to kind of attribute to my parents really raised me with this idea of you, if you work hard, you might not get there tomorrow. You might not get there next week. You might not get there next year, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. So I, I really truly believe that the more you work at something and you have your work ethic and the you know, more you hone your craft and the more that you, as cheesy as it sounds, but like believe in yourself, the easier the road can be to get to the place you want to actually be at. Um, someone once said, which I think is a pretty awesome metaphor, you know, success is a little bit like you're waiting for a bus stop. You're waiting at the bus stop and waiting for a bus but you don't know when it's going to come. So come on, Jams. Yes. You're always going to want to have your bags packed. You're always going to want to be ready and always want to be prepared, but you don't know when the bus is going to come, but you know, when it does, you'll be ready. You have your stuff. You're going to get on that bus and and you're going to go. So I really like that image. I think I, that resonates with me a lot because I, I do believe like you just always have to be prepared and there will be time when luck will be on your side. And there will be time when that little magic element is there and it only makes sense is if you've done the work beforehand and you're prepared. Absolutely. So has this year in all of its dumpster fireness and everything that has come with it helped fuel your activism even more? Well, for sure, when it comes to online sexual exploitation, I mean, there's so many things that I think obviously this year as well, like, really taught me. And I really feel like there's so many issues and human rights issues that are so on the table that we have found we need to talk more and really tackle, whether Mm -hmm. it's climate change, whether it's systemic racism, whether it's uh, uh, the uh, incredible amount of human rights issues LGBTQ members are going through. I think they're is so, so many different things that we need to work on as a society and as a community. Facts, facts. And yeah, it's crazy. And I think we only get there, again, I I know I'm saying a lot, but I, I really believe it. We only get there when we listen to each other. We only get there when we educate ourselves, when we're not asking other people to educate us, when we do the Mm -hmm. work and put the work in. And so I think again, with this specific topic as well with online sexual exploitation. Yes, this year, especially because we are all online so much and so many people are feeling so lonely and so many people are feeling so vulnerable. And unfortunately, there are people out there who take advantage of that. Um, So I think that was something for us, Vanessa and I really wanted to make sure we were using our platform to spread awareness on the subject because I I know there is a, a vast amount of people who are feeling such a deep loneliness right now. And unfortunately, mm. there are people who prey on that vulnerability. And I just want to protect people who are potential victims and potentially um, getting preyed on. 
Yeah, it's that work is so important. It is so important, which is why I'm interested in knowing what inspires you when you're not doing that work. Tell us about your new venture of music. Man, I feel like I don't know what I would have done this year if I didn't have music, to be honest. I think mm. I, for me, it was such an amazing outlet to have and to put my focus and work into during the past eight months. I, you know, I love music so much and it's so different. It's a different type of fulfillment than my acting, right? My acting is, I always like to say acting is what gives me empathy, right? I have to Mm. walk a mile in other people's shoes or all these different characters' shoes, but music is what I use to get to know myself and what I use to, you know, have an outlet of everything I as an individual am feeling and needing to put out there. So I have been working the past eight months for this or on this EP that I just put out a couple weeks ago, the UEP. Um, And the reaction with my fans has been like absolutely amazing. It's been so fulfilling and so wonderful. Um, It's funny how for me, some of these songs on this EP, I actually wrote years ago but I, I rework them over the past eight months and they feel more relevant to me than ever. I'm like resonating with them more than ever. You know, this whole EP is a bit moody, a bit emotional, a bit dramatic, a bit intense in some ways, a bit raw, a bit vulnerable. And I feel like I brought all of those things because of what I've been feeling the past eight months. Hmm. Yeah. And how how are you feeling these last eight months? How has, you know, all the chaos, all all the zooms? How has your life flipped? I I know, right? Like it's um, it's Zoom is the name of the game on most of my days. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's um, it it's just a different world we're all in. And I actually have to remind myself on a regular basis how lucky I am, how blessed I am. Mm. And I totally fall into the trap of feeling sorry for myself and feeling down. Um, But I also realize how I am in a, a way luckier position than so many other people out there across the globe. So I do try to like put things in perspective as much as I can, but I also give myself the freedom, which I think is important to feel sad, to feel down, to feel angry, to feel frustrated, because I think those are all things we need to feel. We need to respect in in our hearts and expect in our brains um, or respect in our brains because you know, it's a, it's a sucky time. It's a tough time, but it's also a time for, for me, at least like uh, some pretty intense reflection, which I am thankful for. And I can't tell you how many epiphanies I've had about myself, about my career, about many different things during the last eight months. So I am choosing with all the energy I I can muster to try to be grateful for this time, but to also understand the, you know, repercussions to understand the moments of lowness and to allow that to be part of the gratitude. Does that make sense? 
absolutely does. Because I think the, the negative emotions make the positive ones even better. 100%. Oh, 100%. Oh, amazing. Okay, so now it's time for our signature segment, and it's called Follow My Lead. Ooh. So this is something we do with every guest. So I'll lead, and all you have to do is complete the next three sentences. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right, great. Okay, I feel my strongest when... I'm my happiest. Hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, okay. I want to step up when? I feel that people aren't getting protected and are getting hurt. Yes. When I feel like I can't, I? Cry and let myself cry and feel down. Mm, That's good. That's good. So what advice would you give to those who want to take the step forward for their communities? I would say um, to, again, listen, learn, educate yourself, right? That's always going to be number one. Number two, you know, don't be afraid to get creative with how you get involved. So there's so many different ways on how you can get involved with your community specifically. Um, You know, whether that is making calls, right? If you're shy on making calls, writing letters or emails. If you're unsure about writing letters or emails or you want to do more, getting out there, you know, finding different things you can do for you that best suits your strengths and your personality. I think don't be afraid to look at all those different options because there are so many different options. Um, And I think Also, it comes from, you know, working together with other people in your community who have a common goal. We are our strongest when we work together. That is a cliche that's cheesy to say, but that is an inherent truth. And I feel we cannot forget that. When we work together, that is when the most work gets done and that's when we are at our strongest. So don't be afraid to work together with someone in your community as well. Absolutely. And what makes survivors unstoppable? Their their outlook, man. They are they're incredible. They're they're so brave um on so many different standpoints, but even on an emotional standpoint of putting themselves out there, you know, those who tell their stories and those who don't tell their stories as well. I mean, I think there's just an incredible amount of bravery that's there. Um, And with survivors we have spoken to, there is hope in their hearts. And I think that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing and a reminder for all of us that if they can be hopeful, we can too. And we need to work our asses off to help them. I love that. Laura, your work is significant and your obligation to using your platform in this way is so admirable and I have such deep respect for people who are insistent on loaning others their power in the way that you are doing. So thank you so much for your work and thank you for joining us on The Step. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're so lovely. Thank you for listening to The Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to Sorel making powerful footwear for powerful people. You can find The Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Don't forget to subscribe, share with friends, and tune in next week.